Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, dear listener, and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. For this episode, we are delving into a topic that you might not have heard before, might sound a little bit bizarre or jarring, and it's happiness anxiety. Um, I think it's something, well, I've definitely felt it. I've known a lot of people who felt it too, and it's the fear that when things are going good or when you're happy and when everything's coming up roses, the fear that something will go wrong or that you don't deserve it or that something terrible is going to happen. For this episode, I'm joined again by Dr. Mally Coyne, who is a clinical psychologist and a best-selling author who I've had on numerous times, I think now. She also was a very big part of my first book, Owning It, so you'll know her name from that. And she provides the expert insight here for me. So we kind of unpack what is happiness anxiety. It actually has a name, cherophobia. Sounds like something, a fear of cherries. It's not that at all. And we talk about, yeah, how to maybe address that. And especially when it comes to relationships where people might have a self-destruct button and a fear of things not working out. So they protect themselves by making that happen before it can happen to them. So if any of this sounds relative to you or, or familiar, I think you'll find this episode interesting and certainly food for thought. Thank you as always for, for tuning in and for your reviews and your feedback and your DMs on Instagram. My books are available widely. They're Owning It, The Confidence Kit and Naked. And if you search Mally Coyne's name, you'll find her book Love In, Love Out, which is a compassionate guide to parenting your anxious child. And it's brilliant. So for parents, that's a, a must read. And yeah, that's it. So enjoy the episode. Mally, thank you so much for coming back to me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. You're a busy woman. I'm so thrilled to have you. So first of all, welcome back. Thank you so much, Caroline. It's great to be here. Today, we're going to talk about something that sounds maybe a little bit bizarre, but I think is really common, maybe without people even realizing it. Certainly something I've experienced myself. And it's kind of, I suppose, to, to put a word on it, like happiness anxiety. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's um, it, it's something maybe some people may not have heard of. And then for others, they might very much recognize this in themselves. Yeah. So when we were both looking into it, there is a word cherophobia 
for people who have this aversion to happiness because they feel that you know something bad is going to happen and that's probably that seems like quite a stretch to give it a phobia term but I think lots of us in daily life just have this slight anxiety where you know when things are going well we feel that we don't deserve it or that something's got to go wrong why, why is that why do we have this fear let's just get straight into it so I suppose cherophobia is a, a translation. Um, cher, chiro or chero is the Greek term for for to rejoice. Yeah. So the and a phobia means fear. So it's a fear of rejoicing. So really, the kind of symptoms of it would be believing that feeling happy makes you a bad person, believing that being happy will lead to something bad happening, believing that you should not express happiness in case it upsets others. So I suppose that would result in certain behaviors would be like avoidance of joyful social gatherings, rejecting relationships or life opportunities that may bring happiness and success. And again, just like with any other kind of um, condition or phobia that it can affect people in milder ways where, you know, they have an occasional feeling like this. And then for other people, when I was kind of researching into it and looking into it more, it can actually stem from trauma earlier on in life and be something much more serious. But generally speaking, it's part of like it's not actually in the D Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is how psychologists and psychiatrists would usually classify conditions. Yeah. It's not um, written in there as a, as a phobia. So it's kind of in its infancy in terms of research that's being done on it. So you won't find a hell of a lot on it, actually. Yeah. And I don't want people to listen to this and then panic thinking, oh, God, like I have this. This is another thing that I have to deal with. I don't want to put those labels on people. I just want to explore the idea that sometimes when life is going well for, for a lot of people, we can feel a little bit of anxiety rising or a lot where we feel. And I get this all the time where my mind, for example, will will just go to something like sinister. So when good fortune takes a sinister turn in your mind and you get suspic uh, suspicious of the, the good fortune that you have, or you feel that, oh no, this is too good to be true, or life is too good. And I have this really horribly common thought, and I'm sure it's common to a lot of people where if it hasn't happened much throughout COVID, but like if Barry was out and he said he was on the way home from work and he didn't come home when I kind of thought he would. And even if it's like 10 minutes longer than I'd expect him, my rational mind is like stuck in traffic, but my the little bit of anxiety is like, you are too lucky to have Barry, your house, you know, now your baby. So he's he's lying in a ditch somewhere. And mm. that's where that's how it manifests for me, where I think something terrible is going to go wrong because that's just what life would do because I have it too good. And I would say that's a very common and really annoying thing to deal with when things are finally going good and right and you just want to enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely, Caroline. And I think, you know, it's also symptomatic of a more anxious mind. And, yeah. you know, you and I have anxious, more anxious minds. We've both written books on anxiety. I think we we know about it at this stage. And about 15, 1-5% of people have a more anxious disposition from birth even. So I think, you know, as you know, if you're looking at anxiety, you're looking at somebody's thoughts and their thought processes. And this could be one of the patterns of thoughts that could come from having, you know, a more anxious mind. You know, what goes up must come down. After mm -hmm. happiness, there must come a fall. Sometimes it can also to be to do with like protecting yourself. So it's like, 
um, you know, if you have a thought of, well, something's going to go bad now after this, it's almost like protecting yourself against feeling that happiness so that you're not going to have this big fall or drop. Because yeah. I suppose we all know that feelings are trans, you know, they're they're transient and they kind of, you know, go up, they go down. And maybe it's like a, a way of protecting ourselves but it is part of part and parcel of a more anxious mind that you would have more these types of catastrophic uh patterns of thought sometimes yeah I mean like I'm obviously well able to identify okay that's just you've gone into catastrophic thinking there because I'm you know aware of it I've obviously both of us are very deep into this subject and I can catch myself and say okay let's bring that back a bit but but I guess some people can really fall into those thinking pitfalls where they could end up in quite an anxious spiral. And I guess that is anxiety really in a nutshell is like the, the, the potential for things to go wrong, future oriented based on conjecture, yeah. not actually based on fact. And yeah, I think it's probably a lot more pervasive than we realize where people feel like you say, they need to protect themselves against things going wrong. And I also, I mean, there's so much that we could talk about here. I want to talk about gratitude because I feel sometimes that gratitude can go against me in that I become so grateful and so appreciative of what I have that I, like, again, it goes into that. It just flips a coin and goes into that. Oh, oh shit. Like I'm too fortunate. You know, my, I'm healthy. My parents are healthy. I don't deserve this. Mm -hmm. And the gratitude, the practicing gratitude ends up making me feel a bit panicked not all the time but it's sometimes I can be I can lose myself in gratitude and it be becomes something that is then not helpful okay so like practicing gratitude for you which obviously is known to be a really good kind of technique for people you know to, to kind of be conscious of the good things in their lives makes you more conscious of those good things and then gives you that fear of something possibly going wrong in the future yeah just the worry that it will be taken away from you or you know, I also think like in society and certainly in, in Ireland where we are, there is there's quite a, a tendency towards like misery and like misery porn and the negative. And we we maybe when we have conversations publicly, it's like, oh, did you hear this terrible thing happened and, and this poor thing happened? And it's almost like more societally, maybe acceptable to, to have things be kind of on the downward spiral for you, whereas do we do we respond do I is part of my anxiety here a fear that people will think oh well she has it too good you know that kind of way she doesn't deserve it or like is it more I feel like it's easier to go into a conversation when you've some when you can say something shit happened to be quite honest people are more responsive to that yeah totally as you say you know um you know, vulnerability breeds this kind of human connection. People connect on that level because immediately they can kind of see something similar in themselves. I mean, one of the reasons for this cherophobia or fear of happiness is, and they've done some research, a lot of it is qualitative, which isn't, which means that it's to do with people on, you know, where they ask them questions yeah. rather than big quantitative studies with big, massive numbers. Um, but some people believe that being happy can make someone worse in terms of both morally and otherwise. So one example is that people may fear happiness because they would feel guilty if they were to attain it. That is, they may feel like morally bad people because they know others are suffering. Yeah. Or else, you know, culturally they feel that, you know, expressing happiness should be avoided because of its, of its potentially negative consequences for both them in terms of how they're perceived and also those around them. 
So kind of what you described there. And that's terrible because, I mean, our goal, everyone's goal, like all the books we read, everything we do, we're driven by this desire to like achieve balance and feel happy and content and grateful. And, you know, what's the point if we get there and we feel like it's, you know, we have to be quiet about it. It's almost like I've talked about before, like with confidence, you almost don't want to show that you're confident in case it comes across as arrogance, in case, you know, people say, oh, isn't she great there with things got working out for her? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of going against the drive that we all have. Yeah, I agree with you, Caroline. I, I mean, I think, you know, it's a cultural thing as well. If you were to look in America, say where I think people are much more kind of open about saying, oh, look, I won this award or check me out. I've published this book or whatever, you know, like I'm doing well in my job and you know that it's, I don't know, it's kind of more culturally acceptable yeah. in a way. And then you have the Eastern cultures, because it's actually really interesting to look at the different cultures where, say, our Western culture values happiness, which is more associated with individualism, whereas the Eastern cultures, and this is where a lot some of the studies have been done, um, you know, they have found that, like, say, in Russia, they said that individuals are often hesitant about pursuing or demonstrating happiness or success because of the belief in the evil eye, the idea that visible success can lead to envy or suspicion from others, leading to the ultimate misfortune and unhappiness for the individual. But I think in Ireland, I mean, the word that comes to mind is begrudgery. And I don't mean to be like, yeah. I know, you see, I'm half Dutch, half Irish, so I can kind of, and I haven't lived in Ireland all my life, only since I was 18, but I kind of know that culturally, you know, even like you do hear of people saying and begrudging people on social media who are saying who are like every post is like how wonderful yeah. they're doing. And and even with me, I suppose, when I came out with my book and I'm sure you were the same, Caroline, with that and even with, you know, kind of the the success of your podcast and, the, you know, different bits and pieces, you know, even like wanting to post about your baby or your family or whatever, something amazing that's happened. You are conscious, aren't you, of how you would be perceived? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think social comparison obviously is such a big reason why we might develop this fear of, of happiness because of what people will think about it. So that's another, I mean, social comparison is another major driver of anxiety. I want to ask you about the feeling of of deserving and I guess that probably goes back maybe to something more deeper but you know when someone tells you like oh this this person and she had this terrible thing happened and then and like it's it's so much misfortune it's so like how can one person have been dealt that hands and then me as like a generally very happy contented grateful person with you know my health and everything I'm like I just end up feeling this massive guilt of like that the distribution of happiness and, and good fortune seems to be so unfair sometimes. And that's when I it can turn again. And so I want to like unpack that if we can, if I was a client sitting in front of you now, like, what do you think, how would we approach this? Well, in, in that situation, I'd see it as, you know, like people who, who um, like people who have empathy and who have compassion towards others have a kind of a sensitivity to the needs of others. And I suppose if you look on the news any night, if you look at the situation, you know, any situation in the world and you kind of see how, 
um, happiness and fortune are completely unfairly distributed. And it really like for for some more than others, it hits them more than others. Um, and then in terms of a client that co would come into me and say they don't deserve happiness, I think one really important thing to, to kind of focus on is there's like this fear of emotion sometimes where individuals have anxiety about intense emotions because they fear they will lose control over their emotions or the behavioral reactions to those emotions. So in one article I was reading a woman who had suffered domestic violence, uh, you know, when she was younger with a different partner. And, you know, she said he was cruelest to me when I was kind to him or vulnerable with him. So the abuse had rocked her view of everything, including, you know, how she felt about the world, her worldview. When your worldview is rocked by some trauma, you it, it suddenly kind of shifts your worldview. And now happiness and danger felt inextricably linked, you know, so she was afraid that if she let herself go, because happiness in a way, when you think of any big emotion, be it happiness or sadness or any big emotion, you are kind of uh, leaving yourself vulnerable yeah. because you're sharing that with someone else, be it on with another person or social media, whatever. And you're, you're sharing that and you're putting yourself in, in a way at risk of maybe something negative happening, you know, so you kind of want to protect yourself by not feeling because previously you've had many experiences maybe of joy that were soon followed by something really dangerous and negative. Yeah, I mean, it really is like with with happiness, when you think about the emotion of happiness requires you to let go. And mm. to, like you say, it, it sounds jarring, but to be vulnerable and to be carefree and to allow yourself to be happy. And that opens you up then to like you say, what goes up must come down. So I guess some people, maybe maybe myself included, end up finding a bit of comfort in discomfort because that's something you're you could be familiar with. Whether for me it's just being you know almost comfortable or familiar in an anxious state, I suppose. Or for someone else, like you say, that person like more comfortable in a more negative environment because that's her point of reference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and then you also have other people that um, would come into me and say, like, say I, I, I practice a lot of compassion focused therapy where you have three emotional circles. One is threat, one is drive, one is soothing. And I suppose you have to, you know, we all threat. That's where anxiety comes into comes into play or danger or trauma or dangerous situations you might have been in. And soothing is, is what you want to work on in the therapy room to help to counterbalance the threat response and so the soothing circle circle is all about, you know, self-compassion towards yourself, being kind to yourself, um, connection with other people and kind of having a, a, a routine of self-care, you know, activities or things that you do to make yourself feel more balanced, not necessarily to feel good, but to feel balanced in your life. It's not all about kind of pursuing happiness. And I have found with people that, you know, I say, can you draw your soothing circle? And they're like, I can't, I, I can't even begin to do that. I don't even know what soothes me. I don't know what makes me feel good. I don't know what makes me feel like time hasn't passed. You know, I don't know about pleasurable activities. And then you might have people with low self-esteem where really low self-esteem, where they feel like genuinely that they don't deserve good things to happen to them because maybe, 
you know, it, it goes back to their earliest relationships where, you know, they they felt like maybe they, they watched a parent, um, you know, the, an abusive situation with a parent or else they felt like they didn't deserve happiness. And so therefore, because I've had I've worked with the Recovery College in Galway, for instance, and I've had people on on saying um, I didn't even know I was I was allowed to do things for myself. Do you know, like grown like grown, you know, people with mental health issues who don't you know, realize that that was an okay thing to do, that it wasn't a selfish thing to do. And again, it does. Sometimes people feel that self-compassion is all about, you know, indulging yourself yeah. and, you know, lying there, you know, having baths and eating chocolate all the time. It's not at all like it's, it's self, it's actually quite a tough thing to do for many people. And it's, it is about accountability. It's not just about joy all the time and happiness. So I think those are, so yeah, I think those are important things to consider for people with more, you know, that, that where cherophobia or this fear of happiness is part of a greater issue of low self-esteem and, difficulties growing up okay or uh, the other potential that you say is like just if you have a predisposition or you're just prone to being a bit more of an anxious thinker like me then maybe you know you're likely fall into those those traps of thinking where you feel you know so grateful and it's this can go against you that you're like oh you know something's got to go wrong so what can we do in those instances where you know i'm like sitting at home and I'm, I'm just thinking, wow, I'm so lucky. Like we got so lucky with, with our baby and our house. And like, I mean, it's, 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 it's small, it's the small things that are the big things, you know, it's not like, oh, you've got a million in the bank. It's like the appreciation, especially after COVID of having your health or your parents having their health or, you know, things like that, that you might've taken for granted before. And now when you think about those things, like I I, I do, I get an anxiety around, you know, a I guess it's so many different kinds of anxieties coming into one, but like, you know, when my parents call me now, like sometimes my mind will instantly go, are they going to tell me something is wrong with them? Mm. Or, you know, is, you know, it just immediately going to that catastrophic place because you're just so grateful and appreciative for what you have. So what can we do in those moments? How can I, or someone listening, I guess, pause and redirect themselves and allow themselves to be, but it's, they deserve to be happy and it's okay. Yeah, I suppose it's just, uh, Caroline, it's like an, an acknowledgement of the, I suppose, tapestry of emotions that we all have in life and that, you know, that like we all deserve, we're all deserving of moments of joy and we all get more more crappier moments and that's just part of life, you know? And, and if you look at it, if you look at it as a phobia, then you're kind of seeing it as, it's almost like it's a fear of something happening in the future. So it go it, it stands to reason then that you're kind of treating it like you would any other phobia. I mean, firstly, things like anything that you can do to bring yourself into the present and to accept your emotions as they are, to accept your thought, even to kind of like, you know, be conscious, like I'm having this neck, this thought at the moment, may I be kind to myself in this moment? Do you know, um, it's okay to have a, a, a thought like this and it's okay to feel as I do. And I'm not alone in that. That's the common humanity angle of it. But mindfulness, any type of relaxation or mindfulness that brings you into the present moment in your daily life, whether that be, you know, actually doing a mindfulness you know, like, uh, you know, practicing mindfulness uh, in, in like a relaxation activity or actually doing things like, 
you know, habit stacking, which is like when you're brushing your teeth, that you would remain in the present moment rather than be doing something else. Or when you're making yourself a cup of tea, a parent came up with a really good example yesterday in a group I was running of having like a sticker on the um, somewhere near the kettle to kind of remind herself to kind of be in the present moment as she's boiling her kettle, as opposed to trying to do a million things. So anything that can bring you into the present is going to help. And it can be whatever, you know, it can be going for a walk. It can be journaling, you know, for any type of physical exercise. And then as for any other phobia, Caroline, you know, yourself, um, you know, your exposure therapy, you know, when, when we have a fear of spiders, we, we are dogs or something like that. It's kind of our flying. You, you gently expose somebody to their fear by direct and repeated exposure bit by bit. And then I suppose your body and your brain get desensitized to this object of, of our situation that you fear. And then you're, you're, you realize, I suppose, your brain and your body realize that this is not something mm-hmm. that's going to uh, you know, harm you in any way. So I suppose gradual exposure to joy evoking situations may help to lessen the anxiety uh, toward happiness. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay. And then, you know, if you're sitting there in the moment and you're thinking, oh, like something's bad is going to happen. This is where I struggle sometimes with like mindfulness and being in the moment because you want to get away from the moment. But I think it's, you have to be able to say, okay, well, let's like tease this apart. Like, where is this thought coming from? Like, like the the exercise I always go, I always go back to, which, which you taught me was the factor opinion, you know, which is, I think the most helpful thing you could possibly have in your back pocket to say, well, what is this based on what what evidence is there to support that this is true yeah and that always kind of helps to calm me down and I suppose like there's working on the catastrophic thinking but there's also working on the the guilt that you feel you know for having a good life and for having things working out when you'll hear of someone who had completely everything go wrong that's another thing I guess it's not really anxiety it's a guilt is such a like powerful but kind of wasted emotion sometimes isn't it yeah it is it is um, but but I think if you were to kind of look at it as, you know, that you're a compassionate person and that you're you're concerned about other people. And if you are feeling 
in, you know, a particular way that that can drive you to action. Do you know what I mean? It could drive you to, oh, I, I really want to help somebody or I want to do something for somebody, you know, um, and, and acknowledging that we all feel guilt. It's just part of our threat focused brain. And as you said, the bringing the thought to trial, I think it's really important to kind of distinguish between realistic worrying and unrealistic worrying. And like, I do have a fear myself. Like I still have my, both my parents alive and I keep thinking, Oh, it's, you know, I better prepare myself now. I, I you know, it, it could happen, you know, that, 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 you know, that they're, one of them is going to pass and how am I going to, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like I'm rehearsing how I would feel for when it happens so that it doesn't hit me as bad, but I know it's going to hit me terribly, but that's driving me to action, which is like, well, I know now that I want to like, you know, ring them as often as I can or, you know, to, to appreciate the moments that I have with them. So if there's, if it can drive you to some sort of action, uh, but knowing that you're not going to be able to solve the, you know, starvation issues in another, uh, you know, in another somewhere else in the world, or you're not going to be able to solve all the world's problems. But I think one of the most useful things is that to know that you're not alone in how you feel, that lots of people have this fear at, for, at different instances in their lives, maybe particularly when things are going well. And it, and there's many different reasons for it. And it's only in its the research, it's only in its infancy. And I think we'll find out a lot more about it as the years progress. But that it's OK to feel as you do. And it's OK. And, and, and to maybe, as you said, identify how realistic the thought is or not. And then you can kind of like if it's not a realistic thought, you can almost like you're putting you're putting your thought to trial, almost like it's up there in the jury or in the dock. And you're kind of asking it questions about, you know, how realistic is this or not, do you know? And what about saying things or writing down, you know, mantras or statements like I am worthy of what well, the the cards that I've been dealt I am worthy of happiness I am worthy of good fortune you know do you, how how helpful do you think that is for someone to really let that sink in that well we're all worthy of it and if we've been if we've been dealt a good hand and obviously everything is transient you know like if if life is good right now to like just enjoy it and appreciate it how helpful do you think it is well, what's the word I'm looking for not a statement a a mantra mantra yeah or there's another word I think as well affirmation affirmation that's the one do you think that they would be useful in just reminding people that you know we we're all deserving of if things are good it's okay you don't need to think it's all gonna immediately fall apart and you you can you're allowed to enjoy it believe it or not yeah I mean I think mantras and affirmations really work for some people you know you can have you can kind of just write a few down three down right now you know something that will work for you you know i i use i use myself when before a kind of a stress inducing situation i'll be like you can do this mally you know go get them you know kind of thing like you know this is you know this is okay you can do it like you know um and yeah i I think they can really work for people to actually repeat those to themselves i think they can they're they're really useful to to do that and maybe even you know journaling putting your fears and anxieties down on paper can help as well because sometimes when we're anxious it's like our brains just get full of our our, our focus actually gets very um you know kind of reduced and where our perspective reduces so the second you feel that anxiety coming on or that that you know that you can actually you know increase your focus by standing up out of your chair and maybe looking out at the horizon giving yourself two deep breaths in through your nose 
and a big deep breath out through your mouth and just kind of and and knowing as you said it's transient caroline it's like right now things might be going okay but no doubt you've had difficulties in your past and you've had moments that are absolutely really really difficult for you and you know like i suppose it's about trying to be in the moment if we can but if you have a, if this is a big difficulty for you and it's kind of part of a, another difficulty to do with like feeling not deserving of happiness and this is something that you experience a lot i certainly would go to your gp or talk to somebody about it um you know a, a professional or else a friend or somebody you trust because it could be part of a bigger issue and that you might just want to get some help with. Somewhere that I'm I'm hoping it will be really useful for people listening is to have just maybe a little bit more awareness of whether they're, you know, sometimes falling into this, this trap, which means that they're denying themselves of good things in their life or they're not, allow, not allowing themselves to enjoy, you know, those moments of pleasure is in relationships when I think we all know people who meet someone things are going good and maybe because they've been you know burned before in a relationship they just have this self-destruct button and they're afraid to let themselves go into something that's positive and they they maybe create things that blocks there that that didn't exist in case it doesn't work out and they're protecting themselves against it doesn't work out and I think a lot of people could maybe do that without without being aware at all like they think it's it's to do with something you know insignificant and actually if you step back and took a helicopter approach and you'd be like this is a pattern that someone might have where they just go into self-destruct mode because they're afraid of it not working out well i mean it's like i'm really glad you brought up that point caroline because it's you know self-sabotage is is something that comes to mind and you know the way we are in relationship is all to do with our attachment style and like i have recognized myself situations I remember like many years ago when I was with my um, now husband where you know things were going really well and then next thing you know he'd have a flatmate move in and I'd be like oh you like her you like her and I'd be creating this drama saying mm. oh you fancy her even though there was no evidence to suggest that that was the case but it was be it be because it because for me I was just feeling like maybe that I wasn't deserving of this going well or could he really like me as much as he you know he says he does is this for real and just almost causing a drama because some some of us sometimes in life if we're used to drama as kids we're used to that level of kind of um, you know conflict and issues. And therefore, it's almost like we recreate those in our relationships and it's a form of self-sabotage. And, you know, like it, it, I think it happens in so many different uh, relationships out there. I think so many people will recognize themselves in that where it's almost like you're you're creating a situation where you want the person to come back and say, no, I do really want to be with you or whatever. And, you know, I think it takes somebody getting really comfortable in a relationship and trusting and believing um, for that to kind of dissipate and probably doing some work on yourself, to be honest. And is there anything you would suggest for how people may be able to identify if they have that self-sabotage or that self-destruct button within them? I think if you just keep recognizing, if, if it's about kind of taking a step back and trying to figure out like, you know, it's the same as taking the thought to trial, what we talked about a second ago. It's like, do I have evidence to, be to believe that my partner it fancies someone else or that this situation happened? Do I actually have, you know, hard evidence 
to believe that or not? Or is this symptomatic of me not feeling great about myself or me not feeling deserving of this going well? Um, if patterns arise over and over again, and this happens so much in relationships, and I'm really glad you brought it up. If patterns arise over and over again, um, you kind of know that it's something you you can you can look up. Um, there's many things online that talk about your attachment style. And basically your attachment is all about the, you know, it's de determined in a way by your first relationships when you're born and how you were minded as you were when you were very young, which is when your brain in the first three years of life has, you know, creates the most brain connections. And then as you grow older, it's like you, you know, you develop patterns of relationships that kind of mimic what you experienced when you were younger and in relationship, these things can come up because in relationship, aren't you at your most vulnerable? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, I mean, just mentioning the word vulnerable there, it does come back to a fear of vulnerability. Like happiness is being vulnerable. Being, being in a happy relationship means, you know, even though I'm, and you are married and, you know, we have our house and it seems like you've, you know, set yourself up for life. We're still vulnerable that, at any moment or anything could come along and, you know, throw it off. And that's the risk you take when you go into a relationship. And it is a risk. And your maybe your threat system for someone else maybe is quite turned on to be like, hold on, I've seen this before. I got to get myself out of this before it can happen to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's the fear of vulnerability that is probably a lot at the root of this happiness anxiety, which we're, we're really just speculating about, I guess, because it, like, as you said, there's so little about it at the moment. And I think it's also related, Caroline, I think you've done a podcast on this before about imposter syndrome. Do you know this idea of like, you know, you can have all the accolades in the world, but if you don't feel good within yourself, or if you don't feel confident or, you know, kind of worthy within yourself, all of that doesn't matter. Damn, it really doesn't. Like it's, you, you could have it all. And in fact, you probably can feel worse having accolades and people saying, oh, well done for this, or that's great or whatever. And if you just feel a bit kind of empty inside, yeah, self-worth and self-confidence and how we feel within ourselves is, you know, shouldn't ideally, it shouldn't be dependent on every last thing we did because otherwise if we're having a crappy day or if something doesn't go well, then, you know, our, it's got, our worthiness is going to plummet. It's about we're trying to develop kind of more steady sense of self that isn't reliant on the last rating we got or the last, you know, you know, on, it's not dependent on external kind of a validation that it's, it's dependent on your own validation for yourself. That's such a hard one, isn't it? I mean, that's like yeah. everyone's life work yeah. is to take it from external validation to, you know, in the internal and oh, it's just it's it's like a mountain to climb really isn't it it is a mountain to climb but I think you know and I think it's an age thing as well you know like I am halfway to 90 as my kids tell me oh, all the time <laughs> they're so mean and um I think you know there is a more of a culture now where like you know there's more um in western culture maybe with social media and everything there's more and I look at really young people and I think validation is coming more from the outside and that's how you know they they kind of judge and measure themselves against other people and that's really important to them that's an age thing I mean it's always been that way that you know say teenagers are more concerned with how their peers view them and all of that yeah but I think I think it's about you know 
they say true self-care is about choosing a life you do not need to escape from and you choosing and and also i think what's really important is if you have awareness of what makes you feel more grounded in yourself not i'm not saying happy i'm saying grounded balanced i I, i'm i'm kind of a bit of like i I have a bit of an aversion to the word happiness because i know it's transient you know yeah it's more contentment, I think, is the goal. Yeah. yeah, just feeling at ease and balanced. And I, I saw this beautiful quote that I shared. It's when you no longer, and it's obviously transient, but when you no longer feel the need to change your state, you've no desire for your state to change. That's, that's kind of what happiness, if, if you want to use that word, is. And of course, that's something that's fleeting and it, it's kind of come in and out of your life all the time. But I think in general, I mean, I think it'd be great to leave people with some parting wisdom from from you, the expert, the clinical <laughs> psychologist and the best selling author around if people are feeling, realizing, listening to this. Wow, like I actually do think I get anxious about being happy because I don't feel I deserve it or I think something's bad's going to happen or I you know, end up thinking I catastrophize. What can we what thoughts can we leave those people with? What actions can we suggest that they take just to help maybe feel a little bit more like it, they, they can get on top of it or it's not going to, you know, suck them in and take over. And also I really like to, to reiterate, I don't want people to be frightened and think, oh, geez, I have another bloody diagnosis here to give myself. Like that's not the case at all. It's just a, a little element of anxiety that can creep in for some people. And obviously for some people it can be quite destructive, but let's hope that for people listening, it's more like what I'm describing here where you think, oh, someone hasn't come home yet. Maybe something's gone wrong, which I'm sure is common to so many of us. Yeah, and I think that's why I would say, firstly, I'd say you're not alone. I mean, obviously we're talking about it, so you're not alone. And, um, you know, I did see a really good article. uh, One of the best ones I read was on, was positivepsychology.com forward slash cherophobia. And it was by a lady called Jessica, something I remember now, uh, Jessica Swainston that was like it was a really good article that I read about it but what I want to say is you're not alone in how you feel and also that 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 it's like it's important I think to explore where it might be coming from for you so whilst it mightn't be a huge issue for you in your life but you recognize patterns of it say be it in your work life or in your relationships or with within yourself, um, exploring where it comes from. So like we spoke today about how it might be part of a greater underlying anxiety and of catastrophic thinking that you might have sometimes or that it might be something to do with an earlier trauma, it might be something to do with, you know, attachment style and how it, it might occur more in relationships or it might occur more in work where you feel like an imposter for doing well or it might occur more you know it might be more like something that you're afraid to show in public to other people to to what to whether it be you know to to your friends and family or on social media and just i think as you said you know you you kind of talk about you know assess and address don't you and and kind of the helicopter technique and kind of looking at where is this coming from and then trying to figure out I think the most important thing as a psychologist, I'm always going to say to you that trying to figure out where it's coming from is a really important thing to do. And if you can do that yourself, great through journaling or, you know, thinking about it, talking to a friend. If you need more help with that and you feel like it's more symptomatic of something bigger, talking to a professional about that. And then, you know, knowing you're not alone and using these techniques, like trying to remain more in the present, um, and taking your thought to trial, what we were talking about, and 
exposing yourself very in small bouts to little moments of joy. Um, I think, you know, kind of, you know, letting yourself feel that discomfort because that's what fear is. It's discomfort. And, you know, letting yourself feel that in very small uh, bits, you know, um, but I think the most important thing is if you're feeling it, uh, trying to explore where that might be coming from and how and, and how figuring out is it how debilitating is it for you and what kind of level of support you may need for yourself. But most of all, knowing you're not alone and being kind to yourself in that moment. And I think we were talking there about it, the one of the most important things you can have you know, growing up as an adult and as you get older is these is like a box of tools that you can use that make you feel uh, more balanced, uh, you know. So, you know, whilst for somebody it might be an affirmation or a mantra that they use in times of stress, for somebody else it might be, I know you know that, you know, getting up and going for a walk is going to help you or somebody else picking up the phone to a friend is going to help you. Trying to figure out what are the bits, what are the things that make you feel more balanced in your life and that the pursuit of happiness is not it's not all about being happy. Life isn't about being happy. Life is about all the different feelings. And I kind of feel like, I kind of think like when you've had kind of more shitty moments, you can appreciate the, 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 the other ones more sometimes, do you know? Yeah. And I also, I mean, everything you said there is, is so spot on. I really liked what you said as well about just how you perceive, you know, if you have these kind of thoughts, which I do sometimes, you know, you, you don't necessarily need to panic about it, but you can also flip it and, and acknowledge that, well, maybe I think this way because I am so grateful because I don't take my life for granted yeah. or because I have a great capacity to feel empathy yeah. and, you know, concern for others. And they're good things. Like you don't want to stamp that, that part of you out. Absolutely not. And I think, you know, that's why I kind of talk about the superpowers of anxious children, uh, you know, in my book as well. And, and just generally speaking, the superpowers of people who are that bit more anxious are because you have this awareness of the world and this sensitivity to those around you. That's just incredible. You know, like, so I, I think it's it's we don't want to stamp that out of somebody. We just want to hone it. We want to we want to kind of like, you know, like not let it affect your life in a in a very negative way we just want to kind of help you to cope with those those moments when you can so caroline can i ask you a question back yeah. what what would help you most in 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 those in having those when you have those feelings I think for me, it would be a combination of just slowing down and bringing my kind of more rational brain on the scene and saying, look, you know, what evidence is there to support this catastrophe you've just created in your mind? So like dealing with those thoughts in that moment, but then also trying to work on my core beliefs about myself or, you know, the, the more kind of foundational element of I am worthy. We're all worthy. We're all deserving of good things. And you've also, you know, you've worked hard to create the life that you have and, and just trying to, trying to like work on that thought that like, oh, well, I'm too lucky. It's got to go wrong. I think that would be for me. And I'm, and that's why I was really interested to have this conversation because I do think it's, you can just kind of slip into this trap all the time. So yeah. So whether it's like a combination of those, like the CBT exercise with a bit of the affirmations or a bit of journaling or or also, like you say, like we're just reversing it and thinking, no, like this, you know, this like maybe this is my superpower. Absolutely. And then a call to action. If you kind of feel like I'm, you know, like me, if I feel like, oh, I'm so lucky to have my parents still. Well, I'll just text one of them now and just kind of say, I love you, you know, and 
you know, just kind of, yeah, just that that can be helpful as well. I'm going to go call my parents now and tell them I love them. <laughs> Do. Everybody should pick up the phone to somebody now and tell them they love them. Oh, if that's what people do as a response to this episode, I think that's an amazing achievement. So Mally Coyne, thank you so much for giving me your time and your expertise and for just unpacking this topic with me, which I know is still, like you say, in its infancy. So we don't have a whole lot of research to go on, but I really enjoyed our conversation. Me too, Caroline. It's always lovely to be on with you and well done on all your work. Thank you so much. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access a full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before.